Well, good evening. Good to see you this evening. You guys are either the ones that stayed home for Memorial Day weekend or you're the ones getting ready to go. So uh, great to see you on a Saturday night. And uh, yeah, if you haven't tried the coffee in here, it is pretty good. You have to have to do that. But anyway, well, it's great to see you tonight. And we're in a series called Growing Good. And uh, it's in Galatians chapter 5 and Galatians chapter 6 that we've been sitting the last few weeks and looking at the whole truth that God doesn't just save us, doesn't just save us from sin, but he's doing a work within us, growing the seeds of God's kingdom each and every day. He's in the business of building the character of God into our lives so that we truly can fully be the ambassadors of Christ that God calls us to. So we're in this process of being grown good. Tonight's message is entitled, Good Grief. And we're going to talk about the reality of how do we care for one another. Uh, good Grief is an appropriate title, especially for this Memorial Day weekend, as a lot of us ponder loved ones that we've lost others that are maybe in the process of death, others that have sacrificed for us in amazing ways. And that can be a heavy, heavy load. And so tonight, uh, we're going to be looking at this theme of how do we help carry the burdens of others and that good grief. Galatians chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, let me just read a couple of verses of Scripture here. We'll start in verse 1. He says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now we're going to skip down to verse 10. He says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And so tonight, are you ready to do good? Oh, come on. Are you ready to do good? Okay. Well, hang with me tonight as we talk about this topic of good grief. And I don't know about you, but the minute I heard that, I couldn't help but think of my good friend and yours, Charlie Brown. And so I've always wanted to preach in a Charlie Brown shirt. I mean, this is just like a dream come true. I don't know. But um, how many love Charlie Brown and the Peanuts? You grew up on them. Some of you young folk are, huh? Is there a movie out or something? I don't know. My family loved Charlie Brown growing up. Uh, As I was growing up, when the Charlie Brown specials would come on, I mean, it was on the family calendar, you know? Charlie Brown's going to be on CBS this night, you know? Everything stopped to watch Charlie Brown. Specials like Charlie Brown Christmas, The Great Pumpkin, and a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. And now there's so many of them I can't even think of. But the cool thing is, the Peanuts just had that unique way of getting our attention. So simple, but yet... What a message. Uh, As many of you know, the creator of the Peanuts was a guy by the name of Charles Schultz. And of course, he's from Minnesota. Uh, All good things come from there. And um, 
Uh, thank you for laughing, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but Charles Schultz uh, started out this comic strip under a different name. It was called Lil Folks. I'm going to give you just a little trivia tonight to help you with your trivia pursuit next time. All right? He started out a little comic strip in the late 1940s entitled Lil Folks. And uh, he didn't get very far with it. He got as far as the St. Paul Pioneer and Press uh, in, in Minneapolis area there, St. Paul. And during this time, uh, he was trying to get it syndicated out into a diff to a larger audience. But his, one of his main problems was that there was another comic strip that had a very similar name as Lil Folks. And so finally in 1950, the United Feature Syndicate accepted one of his strips, but they required him to change the name, and they suggested and took the name Peanuts. Now, here's the crazy thing. No one really knows why they chose Peanuts. Some think it's from the good old Howdy Doody days. How many remember the Howdy Doody show? I don't, so I'm putting my hand down, okay? But on the Howdy Doody show, where the kids would sit in the balcony, they would call it the Peanut Gallery area, okay? The Peanuts, and some think that's maybe where he got the name. But Schultz never liked the name Peanuts. He said, I, I just don't get it. But you know, you don't have to like it to make money. Isn't that true? Okay? So he started out in seven newspapers in 1950, and eventually got to 2,600 newspapers around the world, reaching almost 350 million readers in 75 countries. Talk about a little start to big greatness. And all of our lives have been impacted in one way or the other by this cartoon strip. And the interesting thing is, as every good artist does, they put a little bit of themselves in the work. And that was true of Charles Schultz. Snoopy, the great dog. I should have I had her brought a dog and laid it on this piece of styrofoam. I don't know if it would have stayed there. But... Snoopy was a caricature of a dog he had as a teenager, a black and white dog. And so he made Snoopy the, ble the beagle. Also, Charlie Brown himself was the name of a friend of Charles Schultz that he worked with at the correspondence school in Minneapolis. Now, how would you like to be the, that's me? <laughs> uh, I I'm Charlie Brown. But he made a great friend there, and so he took the name and made it into the comic strip. Now, another interesting thing I found in a, as I studied on this, I mean, who, who thinks of these things? When you get a message at NBC, you're going to hear about the peanuts. And I got to study this all week. It was awesome. <laughs> but while he was at that Minnesota Correspondence School teaching, he also got involved and had a romantic interest in a young woman by the name of Donna Johnson. And guess what color her hair was? Red. Unfortunately, Donna only hung with him for a while and then dropped him. You know those redheads. Ah. Um, sorry, any out there tonight. Okay? But he incorporated her into the comic strip as the little redhead girl that we never know her name. And so he uh, put her a part of it. And uh, as many of you know, following Dr. Martin Luther King's assassin assassination, he added Franklin, uh, one of the great characters of the strip and uh, a lot of other characters, Peppermint Patty and all the great uh, Lucy and Linus and all of them. 
But unlike many of the other comic strips following World War II, Peanuts took on kind of a different approach. Instead of the great, cheesy excitement of everything's going well in life, Peanuts took on the, and dealt with more pain than it did triumph. Schultz's own life uh, was full of a lot of pain. Uh, if you do any biography research on Charles Schultz, you'll find that he went through many, many ups and downs in his life. He once admitted this, and I quote him. He says, I worry about almost all there is in life to worry about. And because I worry, Charlie Brown has to worry. And how appropriate. Peanuts, in one way or the other, is truly a parable of the way life damages people and the way we often carry our burdens in silence. And as you watch this go, just the comic strip in the newspapers or any of the specials, you see this undertone of a kid like Charlie Brown is just kind of lost, can't find his place. And so we discover through this cartoon strip an amazing message that pours through time and time again. And that is that even though Charlie Brown many times is the mopey, melancholy kid walking around, he has his moments of greatness as others come around and support him and encourage him. And I think of us tonight and I ask you the question, who's carrying you? And whose burdens are you carrying? As we get into Galatians chapter 6, we find this to be very true, that just like the peanuts, they needed each other at different points and in different ways. And so you and I need each other at different points and in different ways to get through this thing called good grief. Because we all suffer at times, we all go through difficult moments to get at, you know, feeling alone, and we need others beside us. And so being grown good, as we've been reading and looking at in Galatians 6, is the reality that we are helping carry the burdens of others through this life and through our community together. In Galatians chapter 6, Paul gives what many scholars have said is just simply a shotgun approach of many applications of a random shotgun list of all the different things in which we can live out the faith of what the Holy Spirit has placed in our life. If you remember, as we've gone through chapter 5 quite a bit already, one of the great highlights of chapter 5 is this life that's lived by the Spirit. And what does that look like? And so Paul is saying, here are the fruit of the Spirit. Remember them in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace. Okay, those are all great things. But what do they look like lived out? And then that's what Paul does in chapter 6. He shows us what it means to live out the fruit of the Spirit within our lives. Paul gives some concrete illustration of what it means to live as a Christ individual within a community when that community is guided by the freedom in the Spirit. And that's what we see. Something we need to very much remember as we think about a Holy Spirit-filled life is that living life by the Spirit is not some mystical religious experience, but it is about a relationship. As we talk about lives being lived and filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's what Paul is talking about in especially this last half of Galatians, is what does it mean to live a life full of the Holy Spirit? 
And too often we visited this life of the Holy Spirit as some mystical um, religious experience that's just for me to enjoy and fill up and just have those amazing Holy Spirit goosebumps on my back and just feel this awesome thing of what God's doing. And we forget about that the reason that the Holy Spirit is implanted in our lives is to increase our relationship with our Heavenly Father and to increase our relationship with others. Now, as many of you know, I'm the token Pentecostal on the staff here at Manuka Bible Church. I come from an Assemblies of God background. My dad was an AG pastor. I'm an AG pastor. And I've um, been a part of that all my life. But I will be the first to tell you, I've seen way too many people use the Holy Spirit for their own mystical experience rather than reaching out and touching the lives of other people. That's why God has given us the Holy Spirit, is to be implanted in us, to take the Spirit of God, put hands and feet to the Spirit of God, and to walk up to our neighbor, walk up to our brother and sister, and love on them like only God can do it. That's what God calls us to do. Christians need to learn that it is in the concrete situations rather than emotional highs that the reality of the Holy Spirit in their lives is demonstrated. Let me say that again. It comes from the Expositor's Commentary. They write, Christians need to learn that it is in the concrete situations rather than in emotional highs that the reality of the Holy Spirit in their lives is demonstrated. I often told my churches <clears throat> over the years, I'd rather see you using the or I'd rather see you displaying the fruit of the Spirit any day over the gifts of the Spirit. Because that's what God has called us to do, is to live out the fruits of the Holy Spirit within us. Those gifts, great. I believe God uses them in amazing ways and in different places and different times in our lives to really speak something awesome into our lives. But the result of what God is wanting to do in us reaching a world is by using the gifts or the fruit of the Holy Spirit out of our lives to those around us. Last week, Pastor Carlos spoke on verse 1. It's amazing. He could take a whole one, mess, one verse and talk a whole message. I, I wish I could do that. But verse 1, he took last week as we were talking about what does it mean to restore someone that's been caught in sin. And the reality is, is that this is one of the first practical demonstrations that Paul lists of what, what a life full of the Holy Spirit lives out. He says, you're going to be willing to confront sin but not just confront it, restore it. And as Carlos did so well last week, displayed to us the reality of the Holy Spirit within us being used to restore people gently back into what God has, had, has planned for their lives. So we have this idea of confronting members, restoring members, and then in verse 2, carrying each other's burdens. Let me just give you some insights from these texts tonight, and then we'll give some practical advice here in just a few moments. But verses 1 and 2 are together for a reason, I think. As Paul speaks about those being caught in sin and those that need to be restored gently, he follows that right up with this principle of carrying each other's burdens. Could it be <clears throat> that the burdens that we are to carry and help each other with are to do a lot with the spiritual battles that we deal with on a daily basis, dealing with our sin, dealing with our hurts, deal, dealing with our habits and our hang-ups and our addictions and the effect of previous sin on our life. 
Paul connects these. He didn't separate these. He put these right back to back for the very specific reason that part of our caring, 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 let me get the right word out there, for each other is part of the process of restoring people to what God has for them. I love our Celebrate Recovery uh, ministry here on Thursday nights. If you haven't stopped in and seen that yet, you need to, okay? It's a great, great place where we talk about what God can do with our hurts, habits, and hang-ups in our life and how he just continues to restore people over and over. And one of the great things that I love about CR is they believe in the power of God to change lives and they believe in the power of brothers and sisters holding each other accountable and carrying the burdens of each other. And you wouldn't believe what happens and the healing that happens in lives. Too often, Christians have been known as professional confronters rather than professional carers. We're very good to point out, as Pastor Carlos said, you know, we've got the crazy pool noodle. I should have brought the pool noodle out again. You know, we're trying to find everybody else's sin and we don't see the own, our sin in our own eye. But we need to be known. We need to be known as professional care carers that help carry the burdens of others. Now, as Paul links these two together so closely, we come to realize that one of our roles as spirit-filled believers, followers of Jesus Christ, is to link arms with those beside us that are struggling to come alongside and encourage. I don't know about you, I've needed that many, many times. I still need it today at times. People coming alongside and holding me up. And that's what Paul is, is, is striving to speak for. Come along, those that are even struggling, come alongside and help carry their burdens. Now I want you to look at something. If you've got your Bibles open yet, look at verses two and verses five. Verse two says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Verse five says, for each one should carry his own load. Okay, so which one is it? Okay, carry each other's burdens, or am I just supposed to carry my own load? And this is one of those passages that the, the critics will use. Look at, look at your Bible. How can you believe your Bible? Look at it. It's speaking out both sides of its mouth. Paul, in these two verses, give us, I think, two classes of burdens, and I'll explain further here in just a moment. The burdens that we're supposed to share and carry alongside with each other and the load that we're, we alone can only carry. There's two types of burdens he's speaking of here. And the reason I say that is because there are two different Greek words that are used to, that we interpret and translate as burden or load. Now, our wonderful English language doesn't get all the nuances that come from the Greek language in these two different words. Verse 2 is the Greek word baras. Verse 5 is the root word fortion. Okay. And let me just share briefly on these because I think they give us a little insight to what Paul is getting at. In verse 2, Barah speaks of the, the tension, the stress, 
the overwhelmingness that can come on us in life at times. Sometimes when we feel totally weak, we can't go on. He's speaking of that as a baras, as a burden that others can come alongside and encourage you with and strengthen you and help you. And you can all think tonight of things in your life that others can help you with. It's like this week we got a, well, you saw Pastor Josh up here earlier. He's getting into his house finally here in Manuka this week, fingers crossed. And guess what? we're going to do for staff meeting on Wednesday. We're going to move Pastor Josh because we care so much. No, because Pastor Earl said we had to. But, um, <laughs> but no, that is a burden that we can help him with. That is something that he doesn't have to do alone, but we can come alongside and help him with and help him move into his new house. And that's what Barras is speaking about, are the things in our life that others can help us with. Now, the other one, verse 5, Fortion, speaks of a burden that only I can carry. Something that only I can deal with on my own. Commentators use the example of like a ship and its cargo. As that ship is on the seas with its cargo in it, no other ship can carry that cargo at that moment. There's no other ship that can come underneath and lift it up and go, okay, I got you. That ship has to carry its own cargo. Another illustration I love, and I thought about uh, asking if there's any pregnant women out here, but I decided not to ask that. But another example is of a pregnant woman carrying her baby. Now, as much as we would like wives, we would love to carry the baby for you. We really, really would. But we can't. You have to carry that baby alone. There's nobody else that can take that place. And that's what Fortion is speaking of, is those things in our life that only we can carry ourselves. Things in our life that only we can deal with. Things like grief. Now, we can come alongside and encourage you and give you our sympathies and love on you, but only you can go through that grief yourself. Sickness. You know, I can come and visit you in the hospital, but I can't take your sickness on me. I can't. You've got to bear that. But we can come alongside to care. But Paul in this verse is realizing giving us the two different types of burdens. So there's not a contradiction here. There's a reality that there's burdens that we can share, and there's burdens that only we can walk through on our own. As one writer says, it's the result of we are individuals in need of community. There's things that we face individually, but there's things we also deal with in community together. Verse 10, and one last quick insight here. He says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. And that word opportunity is the Greek word kairos. That means time. He says, therefore, as we have time. And it's speaking of kind of that idea of harvest time, when it's just the right time to harvest. If you've farmed it all, you know you got to wait for just the right time, just the right moment when the crop is just ready. And he says, at that time and at that moment, let us do good to all people. 
Let us do good to all people. So how do we live this out? What does it mean to live out this good grief thing? That it's not just a peanuts cliche, but it's living it out where I'm literally coming alongside and caring for each other. Let me give you three quick things. Number one, look for opportunity. Look for opportunity to carry and love on others. I love Eugene Peterson's The Message paraphrase. He says, right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. He says, look for the opportunities. You know, here's the way a lot of us like to go through life. You know, I got enough troubles of my own. I don't want to see anybody else's trouble. Okay, there are times and seasons in our life where that might be us, but that shouldn't be our lifetime. God has called us to live with our eyes and our heart wide open to see the needs of others, to reach into their lives, and to love on them. Don't hide out. Don't ignore. Do what God's called you to do. I don't know if you've seen uh, ABC, I think, ran it this last season, uh, that TV show, What Would You Do?, and they kind of set up things um, kind of on the streets, kind of like the old hidden camera thing, only they would do situations that would kind of, uh, what should I say, expect a reaction from those around to see what they would do about the situation, like a mom with kids all over her and hanging on, and she drops a $20 bill and keeps walking, and they got the cameras on to see what are the people behind her going to do. Are they going to pick up the 20 and put it in? Or are they going to get it and hand it back to her? And they're looking to see what would people do. There is a world out there looking and watching us. It's not on hidden camera. They're just watching us each day, and they're looking to see, what will you do? What will I do? What will my life reflect in action as a follower of Jesus Christ filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Spirit of God? Am I going to just walk on like everybody else? Am I going to pocket the 20 and say, God bless me today, thank you so much? Or am I going to take the 20 and hand it back? Not because there's cameras watching, not because just God's watching, not just because people are watching, but because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Look for opportunities. Don't ignore them. Be aware in your real-life small groups that you're a part of. Don't just go to the meeting, go, okay, yeah, we met, now we'll go home. I hope you're listening to people's lives hearing what's going on, to know how you can come alongside and help carry some of the burdens, or if not carry their burden, be able to come alongside and encourage them. Be aware on the NBC Facebook page. We've said it a lot the last few weeks. It's been amazing just to see as different requests come out. And I don't mean just prayer requests, but just needs. Somebody needs a lawnmower. Boom, there is one. Someone needs a ride to somewhere. Boom, there's a ride. Who needs Uber anymore? You know? All right? That's what the children of God do. That's what people filled with the Holy Spirit do. They look for opportunities to serve each other and to be a blessing. Be aware in your own home. Sometimes that's the place we lose it the most. We're like, uh, you know, the minute the wife starts to talk, I don't want to know your problems. You know? Okay? How many husbands have done that before? All right? Come on, guys, stand with me. Stand with me. Okay? We've done that. 
But instead of avoiding, we need to be looking for the opportunities. Be aware at work. Be aware of your neighbor's lives. Be aware at the mall or the store. Just be ready for an opportunity for God to just use you to serve others. One of our guys from church uh, is getting married here in a few weeks, and uh, his fiance is from out of state. She attends a large church in another state, and uh, I was meeting with them the other night as we're getting ready for their wedding, and uh, uh, I don't know how we got on talking about church. And she goes to, like I said, a very large church, several thousands of people. And she said, I was with them when they started in the high school gym. And she said, it's just been amazing to see what God has done. But she said, you know what, as well, it's gotten kind of big for me. She says, I still love the preaching. I still love to go. But she said, you know what, Pastor, I got a confession to make. I sit in the back row. Now, don't forget, don't, all you back, everybody's looking to the back row. Who's back there tonight? But here's a woman that took her spot in the back row and did something about it. And her fiance said, tell them about your back row back row ministry. And I'm like, your back row ministry? I don't want to, whoa! What is the back row ministry all about? And she's like, well, she says, whenever I go someplace new or someplace where I'm uncomfortable, I usually always sit in the back. And so she said, I pretty much have figured out that those that sit in the back oftentimes are new or don't even know why they're there. And she said, I've had amazing, amazing opportunities time and time again to pray with people, to encourage people, even sitting in the back row at church. And I said, wow, that's someone taking where God's placed them and using it for an amazing ministry. Look for opportunities. We could use a front row ministry too tonight if anybody wants to be in the front row ministry. Uh, That was just a joke. All right, the second principle we learned from this passage is we need to lighten the load of others. And you go, Pastor Brent, that's very obvious. I know it is. But once again, I love how Peterson puts his message. He says, stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. I I love how he puts it, that to reach out and to touch the lives of others, we oftentimes have to stoop down and reach out. Like I said, too often we can walk with our blinders on and we can also have those alligator arms like that commercial, you know? I'd love to pay the check, but I just can't get my hand over there. Uh, I'd love to help you out, but I just can't get my arms around you, you know? He says, stoop down and reach out. There's not one of us in this place tonight that is above anybody else's burdens. There's none of us too good tonight to reach out to somebody. God's called each of us to lighten the load of others. Use what you have. Carry what you can. Carry, bear, share. Look out for that overwhelmed mom that just maybe needs a couple hours to herself before she kills anybody, okay? Give her those two hours. Say, I'll take your kids for a couple hours. Think of even tonight as Pastor Josh earlier was talking about the need for the special friends ministry and echo and all these things. It's not a whole lot. Yeah, you got to stoop down. You got to reach down. You got to maybe do something you don't want to do. 
but it will mean the world to a family that knows their kids are in good hands. Each of us have those opportunities to lighten the load of others. I can think years ago when I was in high school, my dad, as I said, was a pastor, and he was in between churches for a while, several months, in fact. And uh, life was tough for us. We, we didn't have much money. We were just living. We literally lived in a cabin on a lake with no plumbing, and we're just trying to survive until something else came our way. And I remember one of our deacons from the church my dad had just resigned from would every so often call us up and say, hey, why don't you meet us down at the Bonanza Steakhouse and we'll have supper together. You know what? That spoke so much to a teenage kid that was wondering what was God doing when his dad was out, work, out of work, didn't know where we were going, and a deacon said, you know what? Let me take your family out for dinner. Some of my best memories of somebody being willing to lighten the load. Because when you're a teenage boy and you're eating fish that you caught every day, fish gets old after a while. And to have somebody say, hey, let me take you out for a steak tonight. <laughs> Whoa, just a McDonald's would have been fine. Lighten the load of others. And thirdly, looking and lifting leads to a life reflecting Christ. The New Living Translation gives verse 2 this, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. As you and I share the burdens of others, we're not doing it just to be good. We're not doing it just to follow a law. We're doing it to follow the law of Christ. And what is the law of Christ? When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Remember his response? He says, first of all, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And he said, the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. As verse 2 says so well, as you share each other's burdens, in this way you obey the law of Christ. The law of Christ is a law of love. And it's just not a love of emotion. It's a love of action. And so every time we help carry the burdens of others, we are fulfilling Christ's law in our life. His law to love our Heavenly Father with everything that's within us and to love our neighbor, our brothers, our sisters, and those around us as we love ourselves. And here's the cool thing. I, I've pastored in a lot of church, or I shouldn't say a lot, a few churches. And I'll be honest, in a lot of them, this idea of caring for others, even in the body of Christ, it was the professional's job, the pastor. The pastor was the one that did all the caring for everybody. But I am so glad to be in a church that realizes this isn't a job for just the professionals. In fact, professionals too often mess it up, <laughs> to be honest with you. It's the job of the body of Christ. Each and every one of us are called to look and to lift and so reflect Christ in our world. And that's been the amazing thing to see around NBC as you just see needs and you grab hold of them. Nobody has to say, you know, uh, Dean, uh, this is Pastor Brent. There's a need. I think you need to do something about it. Don't even have to call anybody. It's done. That's what the body of Christ is all about. God has grown us good so that we can share good with others. 
God has placed his Holy Spirit within us to take his spirit and to love on others. Charlie Brown and his friends in many ways show us the opposite of caring and helping one another. Time and time again, poor Charlie Brown is left out. He's mocked. He has the football pulled up from him. But over and over, as you watch each of those sketches and read those little strips, the peanut characters illustrate for us so well what it means to carry one another's burdens. Linus, who comes to Charlie Brown to tell him about the true meaning of Christmas and the true meaning of Thanksgiving. It's Charlie Brown's friends who hoist him on their shoulders and celebrate a great victory. And in the midst of Charlie Brown's melancholy, milquetoast personality, his friends don't abandon him, but they pick him up when he's down. Much like his creator, Charles Schultz, Charlie Brown is an outsider, a lonely kid trying to figure out life and rarely getting any glimpse of hope or purpose. And let's be honest, we all feel like Charlie Browns at times. And there are many Charlie Browns all around us. Charlie Browns tonight who are carrying some heavy burdens, carrying alone grief, loss, loneliness. And the good grief that comes is not just a statement when we hear their troubles. Good grief, I can't believe they got to do that or go through that. But I pray our good grief will be, I'm going to step in and be the hands and the feet of Jesus. We need to be looking for these opportunities. We need to be ready to lighten the load. And so we follow and fulfill the life and the law reflecting Jesus Christ. God's spirit growing in me isn't so I can shout louder, dance longer, and get all excited that the Holy Spirit is within me. But God's spirit is growing in me so I can reach out my hand a little farther. And I believe the more we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life, the more opportunities he's going to give us. The more power and strength. You say, Pastor Brent, I don't really have much to offer. In fact, I'm not much of a carer or lover person, you know. That's when it's awesome to see God working through you because it's not just you. It's God working through you. So I challenge us as a church, let's continue on doing what we're doing well already and just continue to amp that up. To be a church that's known not as good confronters, but as good carers, helping each other out. Amen? So, as Charlie Brown says so well, good grief. And I hope we will make good of it. Let's stand tonight. And let's just pray together and ask the Lord to help us with these opportunities that do come our way. Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight that you've not only just called us your kids, you've called us your chosen, but Lord, you've called us to something. You've called us to be your hands and feet. You've called us to care. You've called us to hold up those that are struggling. And you've called us to do so not in our own power or in our own strength, but in your power, the mighty power of Jesus Christ. 
And Lord, I just pray in the days ahead, in this week ahead, God, let our eyes be open. And God, I pray you will give us what we have need of to be a blessing to those around us. And let us do so, not because we're so good, but do it because you're so good. And know that all that we have and all that we are comes from you. God, tonight, if our heart isn't even yet open to you, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, even through the lives of those around us, that, God, we might see you for who you truly are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Memorial Day weekend and live out the good grief.